Welcome to Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. The podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. From black and white classics to modern day blockbusters, we'll be covering it all. This season, we've been focusing on romantic comedies. And for our fifth episode of the season, we're dialing up a little internet service. It's our 90s pick, and it's a film all about romance in the age of technology. Arguably the greatest Tom rom-com of all time, Rick. It's You Got Mail. Park, that word just flows off the tongue. Tom rom-com. Tom rom-com, Tom rom-com, Tom rom-com. Say that five times fast. I like it better that we're like, we're, we're going into our mic. It's like an ASMR. Tom rom-com ASMR. For all of our listeners out there, hopefully you notice we sound a lot more buttery smooth. Buttery smooth. I'm looking at my sound levels right now. Never, they never looked as good, Park. Rick, we have sound levels now. That's that's where we, we're at. We have sound levels now. Well, Park, this is the moment that I wait for every single podcast. We got to get into this recap. Oh, please, Rick. Just jump into it. I, every week, I, I can't wait for the Rick recap. Hit me with it. Okay, so Park, here we have the classic New York love story. Yes, I know what you're thinking. It's another movie in New York. The woman who wants to save her tiny bookstore but gets her coffee from Starbucks. The man who's just kind of an ass. The romantic partners who are oblivious to anything other than themselves. This is the 90s. Short haircuts, bland colors, and some weird whimsical music that it may feel like you're watching a Disney Channel original. You've got mail. A time capsule masterpiece or the meat cute killer? Wow, Rick. That was something else. I, I have to agree with uh, the first part of that last statement. This is definitely a time capsule masterpiece, if I've ever seen one. It's the same like vibe that I now get from like the 2000s. My, my wife and I are watching One Tree Hill. And it's, <laughs> it's so funny how like cringy the 2000s and like the, the music is there. I, I love I honestly love it. It's such a vibe. It's such a vibe. And I miss it. I, I kind of wish we could go back to those, those days, Rick. The 90s, Park, I was three years old. Well, I was, I guess, uh, depending where I was in the 90s, I was a fetus, but. <laughs> Rick, I would have liked to have known you as a fetus. Would we still be best friends, you think? Rick, I think we'd be having a little fetus party. I had a twin when I was in the womb, and then I think I ate him. I don't really know. Well, that, that checks out. I had a twin when I was in the womb, and unfortunately, I did not eat her, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paige. You're all right now. Now, <laughs> not not in the fetus, though, I guess. <laughs> not in the fetus, no. Rick, this is the good, the bad, the ugly. Rick, do you want to go first, or should I, should I go first? I feel like I go first. I usually let slash make you go first because I write down not a lot and you write down the most so I can think about things. It's true. But I wrote down some things here. Not as much as you, but I wrote down a couple things, Park. Here's my bullet points. Caramel macchiato girl in a pumpkin spice world. It's my very first bullet point. Mainly because that's her coffee order at Starbucks. It's a caramel macchiato. I think that says a lot about a woman because that is the woman that I married. She wanted a caramel macchiato when I first picked her up at Starbucks. She would never order that now, which is really funny. But Incredible. Love caramel macchiato. Um, another love, good, Tom and Meg in the 90s. This is the other little 90s trio of movies. I believe this is the third and last one. This is 1999. Of course, we have Sleepless in Seattle. I've never seen the second one, or was it the first? Was Joe and Volcano before Sleepless in Seattle? I don't know. I've never seen Joe and the Volcano. I even could be saying the title wrong. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that either, so I can't really speak into it. We have the best time period, I believe... For New York City, which is New York City in August. And I also have a little theory here that I should have written down. This movie, I finally cracked a park. I cracked the case. I cracked the case of why all these rom-coms are in New York City. Why is that, Rick? Because it is only a good place to live when you're in the honeymoon phase. Oh. So you think if all of these rom-coms had sequels nowadays, they'd be like living in Texas or something? They'll be in like the suburbs somewhere. They wouldn't be in the city park. No. Meg brought that to my eyes. And it's really both of them. But like at the beginning, Meg really brought it. Meg Ryan brought it to my eyes. I'll, I'll say her actual character, which is uh, Kathleen. 
Yeah. Kathleen Kelly brought it to my eyes because at the very beginning of the movie, everything is perfect because she just got off. She got her mail. Best part of her day. Some iconic lines in there. New York behind her is in chaos, but it's the greatest, just the greatest thing for her. So I think that New York City is a great place to live when you're in the honeymoon phase, Mark. Other times, I don't know. That's an interesting That's an interesting theory. Um, it is really wild that every single rom-com we've watched has been in New York City or revolved around New York City. I also like how no one wants... I just Does anyone want to be in New York during the summer? Are there movies about New York during the summer? Uh, 500 Days of Summer? That's an, is that that is in New York? I don't know. When Rick, that of that course. Was. It's a rom-com. Where else would it be? I guess it has to be in New York. Yeah, I think, I think we've learned this season that if you want to have a romantic comedy, it has to be in New York. I, think, I guess if you want to find love, you have to go to New York now. That's what I'm learning. I just watched a movie this year. It's not really a rom-com. It's more of a rom than a com. There's actually very little com. But it's called Past Lives, and it's about two Korean people and their relationship, and that's still in New York City. That's that's just wild. Park, I feel like we got really lucky. We met our wives in Florida and Georgia. That's pretty far away from New York. Yeah, that's true, Rick. I, w- I wouldn't call either of those states romantic states at all either. Who knows what would happen if we had to move to New York to find wives, Rick? I feel like that's I feel like that's just the great thing. I don't know. Do people like twenty somethings, that's what they gotta do? I don't know. Rick, honestly though, now when I think about it, that would have been a, that would have been kind of an entertaining sitcom right there. Two of us starring in. I feel like it would just be some weird screwed up version of the the reality show, like what is it, like a escaping Amish or whatever they <laughs> like. <laughs> What are you trying to say about us? They always, well, that, that, the whole premise of that show is they literally take him out and just throw him in New York. Yeah, well. I'm pretty sure. So, that, that. anyway, Spark. Also, last point I have to make is Brinkley. He should have been in it more. He was. He stole the show at the end. So, that's it. Mark, what, what are your goods? Rick, I got a few goods because it was a good movie. You know, first off, I gotta say, the '90s vibe, like. We're, I'm going to keep harking on this because it is what it is, but it's such a time capsule. I don't think that this movie, it's not even that I don't think, this movie could not have been made at any other point in human history. The concept and the and the, the story structure and the, the idea of it has been done over and over again, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later, Rick, but specifically email, communication, you cannot make this movie at any other point than right in the middle of the 90s. And I love that. Park, but if you wait, our little AI script tries. Oh, man. That's right, folks. (laughs) The AI script reading returns this week. And it is a a beautiful disaster. That's all I can say until we get there. Also, I got to say, I had seen this movie before, but I had totally forgotten about the intro of this movie with that horrendous 3D graphic fly through of new york city <laughs> oh i loved it you didn't like it <laughs> no i mean i it was horrendous but like in the best way possible because it just like it takes you back to a simpler time well so wasn't the first fully 3d animated movie wasn't it toy story toy story was the first 3D which is animated. not that far before 1999 what was toy story 1997 uh 98 maybe yeah, so I guess it makes sense. I just I love how that intro probably took like weeks to render. <laughs> like <laughs> it probably took it. They probably started that render when they started production on the film, and it it finished right before they they picture locked. That might not even be the finished like like project. So that, the graphics might have been higher, but they just the film was ready. Whoever did that should go back and find that file and like redo it or put new textures on it and uh, show the world what what he's capable of now. Good things. Park, your uh one of your bosses was a PA in this movie. Did you know that? I didn't. Who? Big Kev. Kevin Feige. Oh. Yes, Kevin Feige. I guess technically he was a boss of mine for a short stint, but I don't really think of him as a boss. I learned that he was assigned to teach Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan email. Yeah, that sounds like something that a PA would get forced to do. And Tom Hanks what he did is he tried to like do the AIM stuff, and he would and he hopped into a 2001 Space Odyssey chat room, and no one else was in there. 
And then he was like, this is stupid, I guess, because that's all I read of that. And then Meg Ryan, I just didn't think liked it at all, at, like at first at all. So she didn't even have a personal computer or anything. So there's a little fun fact, a little fun tidbit. Technology. It's, it's tough. It's tough moving with the times, Rick. I think if we just stayed in AIM chat rooms, the world <laughs> would be a better place. <laughs> it really would but rick enough of that i've got more goods to talk about i'm sorry i interrupted you i i love the premise of this movie i love the premise of two people falling in love through technology but specifically because this movie does it right and well there are movies that do not do this right and well and i'll talk about that a little later but this movie really nails it and so i got to give it credit for if i'm bold enough to say perfecting this type of story before it got used up a little bit and it almost feels like cheap to like almost meet someone at, or like do this kind of thing in technology like the way that they both like both tom hanks and meg ryan portray it is that it's almost like magical in a way yeah or it's like special and i think that's the big dynamic there yeah i also just love the dynamic that they're falling in love through the technology but then they know each other in real li- like in real life and they're mortal enemies it's just like yeah it's awesome it's so well done so uh, kudos to the writing and the conceptualization of this film. A couple more things that I found to be really good. Obviously, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Lots of fun on screen, great dynamics, solid chemistry, even with the majority of their romance being built through uh, voiceover, Rick. I think that's pretty uh, impressive that the film is able to convey a sense of emotion with the two of them not sharing a lot of scenes. And the scenes that they do share, for the most part, they hate each other. It is true. And then, Rick, my last good that I'm going to share is I personally love Tom's family dynamics in this film. His aunt is like five years old or his his stepmom is like the same age as him just because of his dad and stuff going and making all these families. I just found that to be a rather humorous, Rick. The calm and the rom, if I must say. The com the com is great there, Bork, and Tom might be the national treasure of all actors. So it's just, it's wonderful to see him portray it. Yes. Well, Rick, that's enough of my good. I've been boring the audience with it, so I'm gonna usher us on into the bad, and I'm gonna ask you, what were your bads of this Park, film? I have been holding this in the entire podcast. Rick, that's a long time to hold it in. I know. I mean, a whole ten minutes. I don't really know how long we've been going. I will say there's something that makes me really upset in, there in this movie. Kathleen Kelly is the biggest hypocrite of all time. Rick, please tell. The whole premise of the movie is based off of the little guy getting attacked by the big, the big guy, you know, like Barnes and Noble, Fox Books coming in, crushing her little shop. Yep. But she gets her coffee every morning at Starbucks. She doesn't care about the little coffee shops that Starbucks crushed. Like Kathleen, come on. That's a really great point, Rick. You just you just blew up her character. I never thought about it the first time I saw it, and I like I noticed it right away now, and I was just like, "What the heck?" Like it, to me, it really blows her blows the character up so much. And obviously, they probably had some deal with Starbucks. I don't give a crap. Well, you know, I was gonna give this film a ten out of ten, but after coming to that realization, I think it's more like a two out of ten, Rick. I just it's absolutely ridiculous. Part Kathleen Kelly is an absolute hypocrite. She mm. only cares about the little guy when it's her. She doesn't shop local park, but she wants you to shop local for her. Pisses me off. I agree with your uh, your sentiment there. I didn't I didn't pick up on that, so I'm glad that you shared that. Do you have any other bads? Uh, I I can't get past that one. I, I'm 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 so stuck. It's like if I'm in one of those like adventure races with obstacles, I cannot get past that obstacle to see what the other obstacles are. <laughs> So I'm just I'm stuck there. Park. That's I'm it. Stuck that's in the it. Mud. I'm sorry. That's, that's fine, Rick. I don't I don't have a lot of bads. I didn't write really much of, of anything down. It, and I will say this is not a perfect film. There are definitely flaws to it. Uh, the thing that I wanted to bring up is it, it almost felt amateurish at times. Not in the acting or the story, but in the technical work, specifically with the camera and the cinematography. The white balance was off at times just felt very blue when it shouldn't have felt very blue or it felt very orange and red when I don't feel like that was an artistic choice in design. And so that that's my bad is the, the technical work of the camera and whoever was DPing, I would not hire as my DP for a film. I also need to say as a bad part that I just thought of now, I got past the obstacle. 
yeah is the prop people I'm, I'm assuming who makes like like fake newspapers and fake things for movies is that like the prop department um whoever makes the fake newspaper for this movie of the the rooftop killer did you did you look at that newspaper as closely as i did uh i i don't think i did i don't think i look at anything quite as closely as you do rick okay well i paused while well, i paused the tv when they showed the newspaper close up so i could read it yeah and it is just the same paragraph copied and pasted over and over and over again this is what i learned from the newspaper so the rooftop killer park has six children from six different women <laughs> and i guess killed someone on a rooftop but the little paragraph i don't think says and they stole six thousand dollars and they and then i guess they got caught by the police and it's just that little paragraph pasted over and over again i needed lore park i wanted lore about this rooftop killer rick maybe the lore is that this this movie is actually the matrix and you just you just spotted the glitch <laughs> now now kathleen is free from starbucks maybe that was the that was the <laughs> she's, she's free rick she's free that was actually that was like kind of her version of hell. She only can shop at those big <laughs> giants. She only will ever see Barnes and Nobles. That's <laughs> hilarious. Starbucks. I can I can speak into that. Prop people, they specifically prop masters have a lot to do in a very short amount of time. Usually these folks are brought on only a few weeks or maybe a month or two out from the production and so they've got to create a lot of things and specifically with a movie like this where they're in a bookstore and they've got to find a bunch of books and yada 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 not as much energy is going to be devoted to things like newspapers so it is what it is to me that was the big moment for our little side character that was there. I don't know his name. I didn't write him down in our character list. My apologies. That's all right. But the, the mail worker at the bookstore, that was his big moment. And he was like, oh, what if what if the guy is actually the rooftop killer? And But, Park, I was let down by the lore of the rooftop killer. Rick, well, maybe you should have our friendly AI build out some lore. Oh, don't worry, Park. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Things have been done. Only Park, we, have, we got the uglies, Park. We do. We do. Would you like me to go first since I'm the ugliest? Park, please. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like we're just both average. Like maybe above average looking guys. I don't really know. Hey, uh, for all of you out there watching, let us know. I Are don't we think ugly? I want them to let, let us know. <laughs> Are we ugly? <laughs> Are we not ugly? You this can let Parker know. This is going straight on our TikTok, Rick. We're, we're going to ask the TikTokers out there. Are we ugly or are we not? That is the worst possible thing to ask TikTok. <laughs> no, we're gonna get we're gonna get scorched. Rick. That's going to be our most popular video too. I bet so we're I gonna get throttled. <laughs> Park, give, give me your uglies then. <laughs> All right, uglies. Um, Rick, New York is the size of a shoe closet in this movie. The <laughs> there is a montage sequence where the two of them keep walking past each other all throughout New York and running into each other. And like one notices them and they'll like lift up flowers to make sure the other one doesn't see it. And this goes on multiple times. I'm sorry. I didn't realize New York was so small that you could run into the same person 25 times. I never even noticed that. But now when I, when I think about it, I feel like they only shoot the same few spots outdoors anyways yeah <laughs> i'm i'm That's just funny. saying rick my 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 second ugly because i have two uglies this week rick is meg ryan's fighting in the bookstore after after tom's character joe fox i believe is his name after he emails her and says that she needs to fight for her business it's not personal rick it's business you gotta fight and then it cuts to her in the back of the bookstore throwing some punches. And those are not regulation punches, Rick. They are not. <laughs> they, were, they were not regulation punches. I, I'm not trying to say that I'm some sort of fighter or boxer. I think it's incredibly apparent if you look at me for one second that I am not that. But Rick, even as someone who is not that, I can tell you that that is not how you throw a punch. I would agree. I do not think that's how you throw a punch. Fun little factoid for you, Park. I was a wide receiver for a little span of time in high school. Very scrawny. And I remember telling my coach that I wanted to start training for UFC. 
like not UFC, I guess, or just MMA. Yeah. And he told me that was the worst idea I ever had. So my yeah. fighting career was very short-lived in my head. I see. I'm also like a little wimp, so I don't think I could do that well. Park my ugly. I cannot get past the Starbucks thing, Park. I really can't. I, I threw it in both my bad and ugly. Is this a first? I don't think you've ever had a an ugly and a bad combined. We don't usually do that. Park, I focus a lot on small details that no one else cares about in movies. Um, because to me, that that builds the world. Okay, I, like I need I need that. That builds the world for me. Um, and Starbucks, like Kathleen Kelly, do not go to Starbucks. Like I just I don't understand that. There's so many beautiful coffee shops in New York. I'm sure there was still in the 90s. There was a incredible coffee shop. We even saw one. We saw one in the movie with her, that she was going to meet uh, the mystery man at a cafe. Just go there for your daily coffee. You don't need to go to Starbucks. That's true. Rick, what, Absolutely if, they, insane. what if that scene had taken place in a Starbucks? I might have had to turn off the movie there, Pork. Rick, that would have been its deadly sin. Couldn't have come back Or I, The only reason I wouldn't turn off the movie is that that would have been a big point for uh for joe fox to say you're getting your coffee out of starbucks you don't seem to care yeah that's true there's a lot of fighting words that joe fox could have had there yeah he could have rick didn't you work at a starbucks once i never worked at a starbucks no No. i feel like you have some sort of connection to starbucks but maybe i'm maybe i'm mistaken they always get me with their uh every christmas they'll do some type of thing to collect little snow globes. Like you get a drink, you get a little snow globe, you shake it, maybe you get something for free. Yeah. And it would always just, it it always get me. So I'd get Starbucks every single day so I could see his virtual snow globe shake on their app. And I, I would never get anything for free. Yeah. I've never been a Starbucks person, but I'm not a coffee drinker. So I, I, I think that makes sense. It's also like the worst coffee shop in existence to like actually get a coffee and like do work or read. That's fair. I don't usually so, go to Starbucks even to do work that much either. Oh, Park, remember Pascal's? Pascal's. Now that's a Starbucks. spot. That's a that spot, Rick. A, that was a coffee shop, Park. Shout out to Pascal's in Gainesville, Florida. If you're in Gainesville, Florida, you should definitely hit up Pascal's Coffee Shop. Fantastic for the vibes, Rick. I would just go there for the vibes. Only reason I would go there. It's the only I, reason you go to a coffee shop, honestly. That is true. I feel like coffee shops are just full of people who go and pretend to study. I also think coffee shops are where single people hope that a meet cute will happen. I I certainly did at the time. Didn't we all, Rick? Didn't we all? What else are coffee shops for? for? Well, we're at that part of the podcast where we uh, talk about the differences and similarities to the genre from then to now. Rick, you know what segment this is? This is the then and now segment. Park, I do know what segment this is. I never write things down for this segment. I just, I listen to you, and if I have comments, I throw my comment in the ring, and that's what happens. So, Park, let's let's hear your thoughts. Well, Rick, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because I don't have too much to say. It's pretty self-explanatory. I teased it a little bit earlier in my good, but I want to talk about the the try and true formula that this movie kind of established, um, and that's the the formula of a couple coming together through technology you've got mail actually isn't even the first breakout movie to follow this concept uh i would consider that to be sleepless in seattle was uh really the first to hark on this type of trope of the technology as a catalyst for two strangers falling in love but needless to say this movie really really leans into it probably more than even sleepless of seattle and rick this is a trope that we see even to today there was a movie that came out this past year called love again which starred priyamka jonas even though she doesn't take her husband's last name she's falling in love with someone by sending voicemails to her old dead boyfriend and the new boyfriend has the phone and is listening to the voicemails and using that as a way to get to know her just this concept of technology being the middle and the catalyst for love and for falling in love. I got to say that that film does it very poorly. It's a very poorly done film. But but this film, Rick, really nails it. I think it hits the right beats. It understands 
what it's trying to do. I love the dynamic of they're falling in love online, but they hate each other's guts in person. It's a good juxtaposition and a good dichotomy, and it creates conflict and character growth. I don't think I've seen a rom-com that has done it better than You've Got Mail. Nonetheless, this, this trope has been done over and over again in very similar ways, and I think You've Got Mail is to be accredited for that. Just now I thought of there was there's another one because we were trying to think of other movies that did this. Have you seen? It's on Netflix. came out in 2021. It's like a Christmas rom-com called Love Hard. I think so. I think I have seen that. I think it's like Tinder and then it's Nina Dobrev. She gets catfished. Yes, I did. I actually really like that. I, I enjoyed that one too. I actually, like a lot of their conversation, I guess, was only at the beginning. But I, I feel like I like that one. I mean, you could even look at the recent Ashton Kutcher, Reese Witherspoon movie that came out on Netflix as well, where their whole relationship is being built over phone calls and conversations that they're having because they're never in the same space. Bottom 10 rom-com of all time. Another one that does it poorly. This is a concept that is done a lot, but it's really difficult to execute well and at a high level. The thing that I hate with those kind of things and what this does well is that you've got mail. At least it's all like almost like thoughts or like introspective thinking as they're typing out the messages. It doesn't show it on screen in like a chat bubble. And I feel like now a lot of these movies show them in chat bubbles or like text bubbles. I don't, I don't like it when movies show like an iPhone text like on the side of the screen to see like the, the main character got a text. I think it depends on the, the tone and the style, if it's a, the creative choices behind it. If it's just there to show the text and there's no stylization of it, I, I think it's kind of dumb. But that's a good point, Rick. They don't lean into that at all. They don't use graphics as a way to show their communication, which is something they could have easily fallen into but they they stick with voiceover and it's like the two are having conversations still with each other even though they're in separate spaces i feel like that's what makes the chemistry work so well too so it was a good it was a good thought that's, right a, there. that's a great creative choice i'm glad you brought that up that probably is what elevates it to a higher level than some of these other films this is almost like a new little thing that we do i love stupid questions this in life like I feel like a bunch of just people going to get together and ask themselves stupid questions, just make them think and talk for like 40 minutes. It's one of the greatest things. Rick, can we rename this segment Stupid Questions? That's good. I, I'm going to type it right now. Right now, it's just questions. I'll do stupid. I'll type stupid. S-T-O-O-P-I-D. I like it. There we go. Yeah. Welcome to our new segment, Stupid Questions. We just made it right this second. So congratulations. You are listening to this as we are as well. It's like we're bringing our audience into our prep meetings, Rick. It's very exciting because we are we're very well prepared. Oh yeah, we are. We spend hours, honestly days preparing for y'all. So Park, cause the first question is not as stupid. It's gonna get into something that I actually I researched earlier. Can a bookstore survive New York City, making to me a very low three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year? Well, are we talking about in the nineties or are we talking about today? I guess we'll do today. All right, no. I don't think the average human could survive in New York City off only $350,000 a year, right? Wouldn't all my New York listeners out there agree with that? How about like assume, let's just say, I don't even know what the actual inflation would be. What if it's 500? So this is not just like a human. This is obviously wherever, where are they in New York? Did you catch it where they were? I don't know where they were. I assumed in like Manhattan. Manhattan. So I guess a small business in Manhattan makes 500 five hundred thousand dollars a year which depending on a bookstore is probably bringing a six to seven percent profit i can't imagine the profit margin's crazy so she's probably making her herself is making like forty thousand yeah so park i went to the reddit run the numbers or buy the numbers i don't really know so this is a credit analyst uh, i'll say the username it's mally kane seven this was 10 years ago okay this was written someone asked the question in the subreddit what this question was because could it survive so they pretty much went and described, they broke down the numbers. I'm not going to, numbers are boring. I'm not going to have to read them right now. After the markup of books, after sales tax, after all that stuff is, she's around $108,000. And then wages about bookstore clerks, which she has three of them. And if you're doing $13 an hour, which seems at the time was what probably, I don't know, New York books clerks made. And wages for a year of her three staff would be 78000 
with 30000 to cover all other costs of utilities. And it gives rents about 20000 per year. That leaves $10,500 for all other expenses she has, or about $880 per month. So she herself makes $880 per month. I don't know if the, she's getting by on that salary. I, and I saw her apartment in this movie. I think it's a, little more, it's a little more than 880 bucks a month by herself. I, even in the 90s, I don't think $880 gets you there. No, I don't think so. And it, if it does, then she has nothing in her refrigerator. She has no tissues to blow her nose when she gets sick, Rick. Nothing. In Meg Ryan movies, there's, she always gets sick in her movies. I know. She has a great, like, angry or, like, frustrated nasally voice that she uses when she's, like, sick or frustrated. Yeah. Like, every time Meg Ryan uses that in a movie, you could take a shot. Uh, I'm for it. I'm for it, Rick. Let's do it. Park, you want to read our, our second question? Rick, I'd love to read our second question. This second question also comes from you. Which Tom Hanks character could you beat in a bare-knuckled brawl? Oh, man, that is, that is so tough. Tough. So I think the castaway character is an easy one. I feel like I need to take that off the table because like he's weak. Yeah. If I'm fighting Tom Hanks, it can't be in his weakest weakest state. How about uh How about Captain Phillips, Rick? Ooh, that'd be a good one. Captain Phillips. I mean, he takes um, down those pirates like they're nothing. Can I fight Woody? <laughs> sure. <laughs> there are no rules to this. It's a stupid question, Rick. So I'm going to do either Woody or I'm going to do Colonel Tom Parker from Elvis. Ah, man, that was mine. That was going to do that. Fine. I'll do uh, Pinocchio's dad and Pinocchio. Nice. There you go. That's good. That'll be my two. I would definitely do Colonel Tom Parker because one, he deserves to get beaten up and two, he doesn't seem like he's very athletic or in the best shape of his life. And I think I could thrive in a situation like that because I'm not going to beat anyone who's remotely athletic in a brawl. Final answer. I, I feel like I'll just settle on one. I think my final answer to that just has to be Woody. Woody? Yeah, definitely. I respect that. I think that's a good Bare choice. Knuckle brawl. Bare knuckle brawl Woody. Good pick. Parker, I will, uh, I, I'll let you ask this other question. You came up with it. That's so true. This is, this is my stupid question of this of this segment. I and everybody else out there wants to know, what was your old email address? Because of my email address, and I, it was the same thing with my little, I guess, little sign-in thing to go on those like chat rooms on instant messaging and everything. I loved Call of Duty, right? <laughs> Call of Duty Gosh, Five. I can't wait to. I can't wait to see where this is going. One of the guns in Call of Duty was like a little handgun, the Magnum. Yeah, that's also the the gun in Halo. It's called the Magnum. That's true. It's all. I guess it's just a gun. It's a Magnum, right? Yeah. Also a condom brand. Yeah. And I made my email Magnum. I spelled Magnum wrong. I did Magnem, N-E-M. Uh, that was an accident at the time. <laughs> Five six one. My the area code of of uh, <laughs> SoFlo of where <laughs> where we were, South Florida. Magnum five six one at aol.com. Rick, that's amazing. For so long, that was it too. I was from fifth or sixth grade until high school. I finally made an adult email address, like later in high school, like junior year. I love that, like you were emailing people, like your junior year of high school, sending out, you know, your college SAT scores to colleges with uh, Magnum five six one five six one. That's a lifestyle, right there, Rick. I briefly had a stint at Moe's Park, Moe's Southwest Grill. For those people who aren't from the Southeast, that is a uh, Tex-Mex fast food chain. Kind of like a Chipotle. Worse. Uh, so I remember sending my resume to Moe's with Magnum 561. After I sent it, I had the thought, maybe I should have had an actual email address. <laughs> got the job, worked there for a month. I think I got, I think I got fired because I didn't say welcome to Moe's. I didn't like, but like... People that work in, fa in like fast food and everything is like you don't actually generally will get fired. They'll just take you off the schedule. Yeah, you got taken off the schedule, didn't you? Rick? I was just taken off the schedule because uh, I I'm, was not good at rolling burritos. 
and I would not say welcome to Moe's. You have to yell welcome to Moe's when people walk in. I was not yelling welcome to Moe's. Welcome Mose. to Moe's! I wasn't oh. doing that park. Do you think I could work there? That was great. That was a great welcome to Moe's. I think you could. I love Moe's. I love it passionately, so I I could get behind that. Park, it's time for you to share. Open up, Park. Unfortunately, I don't have as um, exciting of a backstory as, as you do. I made my first email with my older sister when I got home from a middle school dance and said, I need a Facebook. Uh, so we created an email because <laughs> you need an email to send. <laughs> to sign up for Facebook. I actually think that's why that's probably why a lot of people our age at that time created emails. Yep, pretty much. Um so she made my email for me and she used to think it was funny calling me Parkster. So she made a uh, Parkster before at gmail dot com email. Um and I used that for many years. I still use it as a junk email to uh, you know, sign up for things that I don't want to get emails for, but want to sign up to get something free real quick. Still utilize that bad boy to this day. So if you um if you're listening and you want to send me some fan mail, parksterb4 at gmail dot com is the place to send it. To the spam mail you never <laughs> check. That's I where you want checked. them to send. <laughs> <laughs> send all fan fan mail there. I promise you, it's 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 going to my email box. It's just uh not the one I'm gonna ever check. If in other words, talking about emails, are you a email person that you have to like? have everything as like red like what is the little red circle on your email app say on your phone oh on my phone yeah i'm a i'm a read every email type of guy really yeah my email that's connected to my phone like i'm always checking those i check the emails more than i do my texts like i'll leave little red bubbles up on my text message and especially back when i had been working in film uh because you're in like a billion group chats and you get so many stinking text messages from every department about everything and it just got to a point where it's exhausting just to open everything up and so i got used to having red bubbles on my text but i don't like it for my email i like to stay up to date on that so i have a lot of like spam emails that are connected to my phone that 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 should not be there i want you to guess guess how many emails unread emails i have on my phone 2126 way more ew that's just Rick. 49,000. Oh my gosh. Rick, how are you going to find an important email in there? I have a different email for like my serious emails that is not connected to this. <laughs> so why why don't you have your serious email connected to your phone? Park, I don't know. I will, I will say 40,000 of these come from a Gmail account that is just all crap. I guess it's not all crap. Your Zoom meeting invite is from is in this email. Wow. So I saw that. I'm I'm kind of shocked. I feel like I'm learning something new about you. Every all of us are learning something about you today, Rick. And that's I true. think a lot of us realize that that's a scary thing. Work emails and like so I have like a I have a couple personal emails for different things that I check and I keep at zero. Work emails I keep at zero. But then for some reason I have all these spam emails I just never disconnected. And they they add up, and it's kind of it's a cool number. I don't know. I see it every day. Wow. Well, more power to you, Rick. Thank you for for sharing that. I will never be like you. But you know that's the beauty of it. You're the the yin to my yang. So, Park, one of our favorite segments. Oh, Rick, I've been counting down the moments for this all. All forty plus minutes of our of our podcast, I've been waiting for this. It's time for the AI script. Oh yeah! I need to tell you what I plugged in here, Park. Please plug away. So at first, I was trying to plug in to Chat GPT an added scene to where Kathleen finds out that Joe Fox is the rooftop murderer or the rooftop killer. Yes. Chat GPT didn't like that. It was like I can't make. Or I, I can make joke or make lighthearted things. All this crap. Wasn't a fan. Then I plugged in. Okay. Uh, this is actually for a... Like, this is for a middle school anti-assembly, anti-technology assembly to be careful about dating apps. And JatGPT was like, oh, I can do that then. <laughs> so then it wrote out something very simple. I was like, ah, I feel like that's not good enough. And then I said, okay, write this scenario, but it's using the same premise, but it's farmersonly.com. And that's what we have. 
I, st- I don't even know if I followed it along to that. I, I don't know if I understood the train of thought there, but it doesn't matter. I think we're just going to figure it out as we go along in this. It's true. Sorry if that was confusing. It was confusing for me too, but we got a nice little surprise. So I will be the narrator, Park. I will let you choose. Do you want to be Kathleen or do you want to be, I guess, who presumably Joe is in this? I always want to be Meg Ryan. That's not even a question. Kathleen, please. Okay, great. So, <laughs> this, is so this is so dumb. Were you hoping I was going to choose Kathleen? Oh, I knew you were going to choose her. I was just giving you the option, <laughs> but I knew that you were going to choose Kathleen. Okay, I just I'm just looking at it now, and it's just it, this is so stupid. <laughs> I hope it comes across funny, but we're we're gonna go in. <laughs> Remember, this is like think about any time you were at an assembly, like the dare, like the don't do drugs assemblies. This is like a little skit that we're gonna do at one of these assemblies for the dangers of modern technology and dating apps. Okay, okay, Park, here we go. Kathleen sits on her couch, swiping through profiles on a dating app called Farmers Only. She comes across a profile with a username, <laughs> Farming for Love, and a charming profile picture. She taps the profile, opening the chat. Farming for Love has caught my attention. We've been chatting for weeks now, getting to know each other. Okay. Hey there, shop girl. Have you ever wondered about the hidden stories behind the faces on this app? Kathleen's intrigue grows, and she starts typing her response. Absolutely. It's intriguing to think about the lives and experiences people don't share in their profiles. Exactly. It's easy to create an image online, but connecting on deeper level takes more than a few pictures and words. Kathleen nods to herself as she continues the conversation. I agree. Genuine connections require honesty and vulnerability. I could have said it better myself. You never know what someone's been through just by looking at their profile. Kathleen's phone buzzes with a new message notification. By the way, have you seen the news about the rooftop (laughs) killer? It would be crazy if someone on here was the killer. Kathleen's eyes narrow, sensing that there's more to this topic. You're right. People can pretend to be anyone, and that's a concern with online interactions. Exactly. What if someone is not actually the farmer they say they were? Kathleen stares at her phone. A thought crosses her mind. Are you hinting at something, my farmer? There's a pause in the conversation. Shop girl, there's something I need to confess. I'm actually the rooftop killer. Kathleen's eyes widen in surprise. What? But I thought you were just a farmer. Yeah, that's me. I wanted to get to know you. I wanted to get to know you without any biases, and I knew that you only like farmers. Kathleen takes a moment to process this revelation. Honesty is important, Joe. We can't build anything real if it's based on lies. You're right, Kathleen. I should have been up front from the start. Kathleen takes a deep breath before replying. (sighs) Thank you for telling me the truth. Kathleen sets her phone down, reflecting on the importance (laughs) of openness and honesty. (laughs) This adapted scene showcases how modern technology and dating apps can be used to explore themes of the original You've Got Mail movie, while emphasizing the importance of authenticity and trust in online interactions. (laughs) I'm so glad it added that little excerpt at the end. (laughs) I love that they only care that he was lying. No one cares that he was the killer. (laughs) Rick, this is this is the technology that's got the writer striking right now. This really is. This yeah. is the technology that is going to take jobs. <laughs> <laughs> we joke about it, but I know, ob- like it obviously will happen in a way. It's so funny the how lifeless it is. But that's what makes it so funny is just like how wooden the responses and the interaction is. It's it's literally, it literally is a computer writing a script. And it's like the epitome of what you would think a computer writing a script is. I freaking love the username farming for love with the, the the number four. I love that Kathleen just knows that his real name is Joe. <laughs> Out of nowhere. I, I guess that, that's, that means Joe Fox. I'm assuming Joe is Joe Fox is farming for love, which means he's the rooftop killer, which means her coworker was right. Her coworker was right. I want I, we had to give credit to that scene, but 
I'm still amazed that, again, they only care about how they were lying and he was being false. It's not like she accepted it. Like, oh, it's okay. You're the killer. We can still fall in love. That was my favorite AI script of the season so far. Hey, we had one other one? Did we have one I other think one? We, no. Yeah, we've had one other one. It was um, Sabrina with the goldfish. Uh, yes, that was a whimsical little guy, wasn't it? It was, it was. But uh, this one takes the cake. I was chuckling a lot throughout that. I could only think about like you and me up on a stage at a student assembly at like a high school like dare type of thing where like everyone's out of class and we we sit down and give this talk that's the only thing in my head i would love to give this talk with you at a high school i would that would be <laughs> that would be hilarious that would be something wouldn't it hey you know what if we get to a million listeners on this pod which we're not that far away honestly if we get to a million listeners we will just go to a high school unannounced and present this to them I feel like we can announce. We'll just have to like, we can just play up our our knowledge and, I don't know, prevention, text prevention. All right, yeah, know. sure. <laughs> we'll announce it. We'll let you all know how it goes too. Maybe we'll even have it recorded. I like it. A million, a million listeners. Help us get there. Share, like, comment, but especially share more. We're counting on you. It is time for the ROM and the COM scale. As we've previously talked about, so this is the point where we rated 1 out of 5 on ROM, 1 out of 5 on COM. Gives you a best score out of 10. This is the, the end-all be-all of how you rate movies in the rom-com genre. Don't trust any other ratings. I have learned decently recently I will never trust anything with tomatoes, rotten tomatoes in it ever again. The ROM and the COM scale is the only way to find out if a rom-com movie is the best movie. It really does change the trajectory of the overall score and your view of it when you when you do this i know because it's really it can be really like it could be something you enjoy with the rom and com scale it it says it's a five out of ten and you just have to agree yeah i feel like it can be pretty harsh pretty quick it can or it can be very generous park you just you never know it's true okay park you want to go first sure i'll go first i'll start with the rom because it's the first part of the rom-com scale rick I'm going to give the ROM a 3 out of 5. I don't think it's the best ROM in the world. I think Meg and Tom's chemistry is solid. They're enjoyable on screen together. They might even have better chemistry as being enemies than they do as lovers. But it's it's enjoyable. And I I buy into the story, whether it's realistic or not. So 3 out of 5 on the ROM scale. How about that comp? Rick, the com. I'm going to go with a four out of five on this. I think that there are some really funny moments. I love the humor that's just like there that you think about after the fact. And it's like, that's really funny. Specifically like with Joe Fox's relations to his aunts and brothers and sisters and all that. I just, I don't know. There's something so funny about that to me. So I think this is a pretty funny movie. The rom-com scale gives me a, a 7 out of 10. Isn't that right, Rick? 7 out of 10? That sounds correct. That's that, that is math, I believe. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think this is the the most I've aligned with the rom-com scale rating. Previous week, you gave a 10 out of 10, which I think you aligned with as well. So. That, that's fair. That's fair. So I'm going to go a 3.5 on both categories. I just think when you stack it up against other movies... I really think like the romance is there and I think it's it all relies on the, on the incredible chemistry of the two leads. So like the script I don't think necessarily helps it. The screenplay doesn't necessarily help it. I just think the two leads have great chemistry. Um, which honestly that can make or break a movie. So I think it's a little better than average. So I could I didn't feel good just three out of five or three five, three point five, you know? Yeah. And uh com, I think similar to what you said, I think it to me. I don't think it was good enough as a four. I didn't want to give it that, but it was. Pre- I would say it's still better than average. I feel like you look at a lot of rom-coms, like even modern rom-coms, and it's like not necessarily funny. Like there's kind of maybe a chuckle here or there. Yeah. And you know, if like if it can make you chuckle a few times, it's a pretty good rom-com, I think, Park. So we're 3.5 out of both. Also puts me at a seven. Wow, Rick. We both ended at the same destination, just different ways. We did. And, and Park, that's just life. That's... That's our lives, Rick. We're all going to die. 
There's something we do as humans, Parker. We all we all live. We all die. That was not where I was going with that. <laughs> At all. Where were you going with that part? I was just gonna say we that's life, we get the same score. How neat. Yeah. Why don't you introduce our, our next uh our next movie as we usher into the new millennia? It's true, Park. So we are in the two thousands. Woohoo. There was a lot of movies to choose from in the 2000s. There were. I wanted to choose something that wasn't necessarily super cheesy. I don't know. A lot of different choices. So we went with a movie that I first watched at 3 a.m. when I was sick. Stumbled upon it on the, the channel where I feel like you stumble upon most great rom-coms in the modern age. TBS? FX. Uh, FX, really? This was an FX movie. Interesting. Yeah, I, I like thoroughly remember watching this on FX. Anyways, we are watching Hitch. Hitch. The Will Smith classic. Will, Will some Smith. Some might say, and they're probably wrong. Is this Will Smith's best movie? I don't know. I would think, uh, hot take, yes, it is. Hot take is? Yes. I didn't think. I love this movie. I love this movie too. It's it's a gem, and I'm really excited to revisit it. There were definitely a lot of great choices for the 2000s, but we're picking one of the best ones, in my opinion. I agree. When we were looking at our choices, I... I think it's so important that I like, obviously we've seen this movie before and I know sometimes we watch movies we haven't seen before, but if I know a movie both has ROM and COM park, we got to review it and man, I know this movie has some COM. Oh yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it lands on the, the ROM and the COM scale next, next week. It's true. I'm excited. See park. We'll put it up. We're going to really put it up against the test. All right. I can't wait. Park. That's it. That's it. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. The podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. From black and white classics to modern day day blockbusters. Wow, I just fumbled our way into the end of this podcast, Rick. How embarrassing. Again, we we got to the end of the journey, though, as we just talked about. End of the journey, different way. Different way, Pork. It's all good. Anyways, thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week. Man, I have nothing clever to say. Bye. (laughs) Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast is an independently created podcast. Like, rate, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, where we post full video recordings of each episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>